Hello, everybody. Once again, we are going to venture into Everything's Gonna Be All White. In this episode, part two of my series, I will be discussing uh, this documentary's whitewashing of slavery. The spirit of what was going on in the clips, and some of which I can play because one of them was in the trailer, is to suggest in some way that slavery itself was a white institution or was created by white people and that therefore white people collectively should feel some sort of remorse or responsibility or should be held responsible for slavery itself. And in this episode, I'm going to get into not only the ridiculous narrative that they're crafting, but also destroying it. Should white people today feel any responsibility for slavery? <laughs> Hell yeah. So that's a clip taken from the trailer. I'm going to get into more as far as to what the content of this documentary, if you could call it that, uh, basically it weaves as a narrative about slavery. But I also want to make it clear that this issue of whitewashing slavery is not unique just to this presentation on Showtime. The whitewashing of slavery is a basically a ongoing theme when it comes particularly to dealing with, say, the 1619 Project or Critical Race Theory. Remember, they want to tell a more complete version of history. And of course, it all has to center on the Atlantic slave trade. But if we're really going to do that, maybe we should actually take a closer look on how most of the Africans got into the African, you know, the, basically the Atlantic slave trade to begin with. And first, I want to play a little clip of another documentary that actually gave an honest assessment of how it happens. We can only begin to imagine the sheer horror of the slave trade. But what if we could place an actual ancestor within that story? We were able to do just that for one of Tom Joyner's ancestors, his third great-grandfather, Tony Dumas. Can you read where it lists Tony Dumas' birthplace? In the far right place of birth, Africa. Africa, your great-great-great-grandfather, Tony Dumas, was born in Africa around 1790. We tracked down a direct male descendant of Tony's, a distant cousin of yours, and we asked him to take a DNA test mm -hmm. to see where Tony was born. So if we found a match, that's where the brother came from. Would you mind turning the page of the scrapbook. This could mean your great-great-great-grandfather was a member of the Balanta people from the country of Guinea-Bissau. On the coast? On the coast. Oh. And it's an exact match. <laughs> yep. How do you think he was captured? Probably through a war. You know, there were African middlemen, and they would fight wars with other Africans to enslave them to sell to the white man. Slavery was a huge business for different African kingdoms. You know the story that we got when we were kids that your ancestor was out on one Sunday with his girlfriend, and some white man jumps out of the bush and throws a net over him? It's not how it happened. Slavery was big business. Africans sold other Africans to the Europeans. 
Now, debunking the myth that supposedly Europeans just showed up in Africa and randomly abducted people, and that that's how the Atlantic slave trade worked, is important, but it's not the only issue we need to discuss when it comes to whitewashing slavery. Yes, one of the major points that is brought up constantly by the critical race theory types, the 1619 types, is that, again, we're not telling a complete version of history. So they would tell a version that just kind of leaves out the truth, which is that it wasn't a white industry. It was an industry practiced by people all over the world. But that doesn't fit with the demonization of quote-unquote whiteness that they're pushing for. So instead, we're just going to gloss over the fact that the people who were sold into the Atlantic slave trade were sold by other black people, African kings who were generally engaged in imperialism, genocide, etc. And I have heard the twist that, oh, well, that's different. You see, we were nicer to our slaves in Africa, and the African kings didn't know about the, you know, the horrible treatment that the slaves they would be, you know, they would be selling to these Europeans would get. And that's just crap. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. You know, it's okay. We have nicer slavery here. No, I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. That's bullshit. But again, it wasn't a white industry. Slavery was big business all over the world. Now let's discuss, first of all, the origins of slavery itself, since the narrative that is being weaved is to suggest that somehow slavery was, like, invented by white people. Now, according to this website, Slavery in History, that seems to have done an excellent, the people who made it did an excellent job of sourcing everything, the first recorded slaves were in 6800 BC, and it happened in Mesopotamia. Now, where's Mesopotamia? Well, that would be the Middle East. So in other words, Arabs invented slavery, not white people, not Asian people, but apparently it was Arabs. Now, the only reason this is important, because first of all, I again think that blaming an entire race for anything is ridiculous, is that if there was, in fact, an inventor of slavery, it wasn't the dreaded white people. It happened to be Arabic people. And every race on the planet, at one point or another, engaged in slavery. So the only reason this is relevant is not to help them demonize someone else. I'm not demonizing all Arabic people for inventing this concept. But it doesn't change the fact that the narrative that they would like to share with you would be to suggest that somehow slavery itself is a white thing and that all white people are therefore responsible for it and should pay reparations for it. And that's just not logical. Now, building on that, since we've discussed the origins of slavery as far as to where and to when, we can also discuss who abolished it first. And the Arabic countries happen to be one of the worst in this particular category. And as many of the people who are studying modern slavery will tell you, it's still going on in a lot of these places, um, including in Africa, which we'll get into in a moment. But Turkey abolished slavery in 1933. Iraq in 1933, Iran in 1928, Saudi Arabia in 1962, and Egypt in 1904. I'm focusing mostly on the bigger countries at this point, but you get the idea. This is when these countries finally got rid of slavery, and some of those numbers are pretty damn late. So not only did they create it, they essentially perpetuated it longer than just about any culture on the earth. But definitely dominant as far as like countries that where the slowest to abolish slavery is Africa itself. You can see on here, and I'm not going to read them all off, but uh, there's definitely a pattern that the African countries were some of the last, some as late as 1981. 
and it's still going on here. It's just not legal, but it still goes on, and it's not all perpetuated by the evil white man that lives there. In many cases, it's still enforced by the people who live there who are predominantly people of color. So again, if slavery was this horrible atrocity that was only practiced by white people, you know, well, that's obviously just not true. It's not true in any way. So why is it that we constantly have to perpetuate this lie? And it's because of the fact that slavery is like the original sin to their religion. That, you know, all white people should be held accountable for this as if it was white people's invention, as if white people perpetuated it. And as if you remember from my video where I played that video from The Root with the uh, Rutgers professor who basically just lied and said that critical race theory is having about having an honest, unfiltered version of history, she would tell you, and she did in that video, that supposedly people of color were traveling the oceans and peacefully trading with each other before white people showed up, and that black people never engaged in this sort of thing. I'll link that video in the description. But again, if, if this is the issue, it's the issue of, like, who abolished slavery? Well, Africa was pretty damn late to the party. But again, you know, I promise I will get to the white people, but first let's look at the Asian people, since they're also represented in that film as being the oppressed class that is just constantly being put down by the white people. China didn't abolish slavery until 1910, Japan until 1945, and the caveat here is, is that they had abolished like general slavery before that, but they had kept it legal to have comfort women, which were basically functionally property sex slaves, and that wasn't abolished until 1945. The Mongols in Mongolia didn't until 1957, and in Korea, slavery wasn't abolished until 1930. So again, this is supposedly a white industry perpetuated by whites, created by whites, and that's just bullshit. So now I pick some of the major European countries that were known for imperialism and slavery, and, well, <laughs> the, the reality is this. The European countries, by and large, with some exceptions, abolished slavery faster than anybody else. Um, the very first country to abolish slavery was Haiti, and hats off to them. But these numbers are a hell of a lot better than Asia or Africa. We have the USA at 1865, the United Kingdom, 1833, Germany, 1807, France, 1848, uh, Spain, 1811, Russia, 1906, uh, that's Portugal, 1836, and Canada at 1834. Now, one of the people that they brought on to discuss this, basically in the ongoing theme of every race ganging up on white people that goes on in this show quite a bit, they also brought on this guy. And one of the things that he shared was a story of an indigenous person uh, who was just astonished at the notion that, you know, that George Washington owned like 300 slaves. Like, it was just such a horrible abomination. How could that ever be possible? You know, that, and the theme again is that to indigenous people, the notion of slavery was just this crazy idea. So again, they have to perpetuate the idea that slavery was just a white people thing. And they also tend to want to only focus on the Atlantic slave trade. You know, they always want to talk about just the United States. But the reason why they do that is because if they had to take in the concept of slavery in its totality, it would not fit the narrative. And they'd have to take a little, you know, look at themselves and their own culture's roles in slavery. But okay, since you want to focus on the Atlantic slave trade and what happened in the colonies, it just so happens that, as this person points out in their article here, Ryan Smith, how Native American slaveholders complicate the Trail of Tears narrative. And in this, he goes on to detail that, in fact, 
um, particularly people of the Cherokee Nation, owned slaves and kept the slaves and took the slaves with them on the Trail of Tears. So this all kind of shatters the notion that this was, again, just some kind of white American thing that was only done by white Americans to black people who were brought to America. And it's just a lie. It's just not true. Let's go ahead and read a little bit of this. When you think of the Trail of Tears, you likely imagine a long procession of suffering Cherokee Indians forced westward by a villainous Andrew Jackson. Perhaps you envision unscrupulous white slaveholders whose interest in growing a plantation economy underlay the decision to expel the Cherokee, flooding in to take their place east of the Mississippi River. What you probably don't picture are Cherokee slaveholders, foremost among them Cherokee Chief John Ross. What you probably don't picture are the numerous African-American slaves Cherokee owned who made the brutal march themselves, or else were shipped en masse to what is now Oklahoma aboard cramped boats by their wealthy Indian masters. And what you may not know is that the federal policy of Indian removal, which ranged far beyond the Trail of Tears in the Cherokee, was not simply the vindictive scheme of Andrew Jackson, but rather a popularly endorsed, congressionally sanctioned campaign spanning the administrations of nine separate presidents. Remember, we have to tell the whole story, guys. You know, we can't leave out any little details like the fact that, oh, wait a second, you mean the indigenous people were holding slaves even, you know, in the Atlantic slave trade? Uh, man, what, what was the term for that again? Oh, yeah, man, right in the narrative. So was it just the Cherokee? Nope. If that's what you think, you'd be wrong. Uh, in this book by Barbara Krathamer, Black Slaves, Indian Masters, uh, they detail that the uh, Choctaw and Chickasaw Indians bought, sold, and owned Africans and African Americans as slaves, a fact that persisted after the tribe's removal from the Deep South to Indian Territory. So it's not just the Cherokee. And it, this just kind of, again, comes back to the point that this was not just a white thing, guys. This is just something humans, unfortunately, have done to each other for hundreds of thousands of years. Another article that I'll share in the description of this video um, discusses East Africa's forgotten slave trade and how over several centuries, countless East Africans were sold as slaves by Muslim Arabs to the Middle East and other places via the Sahara Desert and Indian Ocean. Experts say it's time for this to be discussed more openly. And again, this points to the, you know, the Arabic um, origins of slavery. You know, and again... I don't feel that all Arabs are responsible for that at all. In fact, they're, you know, unless they're currently enslaving people, which is still taking place in some Arabic countries, they're not responsible. And we need to get over this idea that we can hold an entire you know, race of people because of their common skin pigment accountable for things done by you know, other people that they have nothing to do with, that they're not related to, you know, crimes that were committed by people that are not you. That's kind of the whole essence, again, of, you know, of racism, is that the idea that the Ku Klux Klan wants to be able to hold all black people accountable for the FBI crime statistics. It's wrong, but it's just as wrong to try to suggest that somehow all white people are accountable for slavery. And it's just not true. In fact, nobody who is white in the United States right now had anything to do with slavery. So the notion that we should in some way feel responsible for it, again, you, you cannot, there's collective guilt is logically fallacious. It makes no sense. But that's the narrative that they want to craft. That supposedly this is a white thing. 
Only white people do this, and therefore only white people should be held accountable for it. And again, it's just bullshit. And as this article points out, slavery's last stronghold is in a country named Mauritania, provided that, that I said that correctly. But slavery is still a problem in this country, and again, it's black people enslaving black people. There's no Europeans to blame this on. This is going on over there right now. So I hope that people will take a longer look at the history, but not just the history, but what's currently going on to perpetuate slavery. Slavery is horrible. It's one of the most atrocious things that we have ever done to each other as humans. But note I said humans. I didn't say white humans, black humans, red humans, yellow humans, what, what the fuck ever. We're all humans. That, that's really, really what they don't want us to realize. That we are one people, one species on this earth. They want us divided so that they can conquer us. I'm not playing the game. I don't make my skin pigment the center of my identity. It's just a descriptive you know, adjective of the way I appear. It has no other purpose to me. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Please like, subscribe, ring the bell. You can visit my website, b-radio.us, where you can find all the rest of my uh, mediums that I upload stuff, Odyssey, Rumble, etc. Um, I'm sorry that I hadn't done as much content, you know, content this last couple of weeks, but my son is going to the state championships this weekend, and it takes a lot of my time. In addition to the fact that I am still in and out of hospitals trying to get you know, whatever's going on in my guts figured out, and hopefully to be able to walk like a normal human being again. Um, if you can financially support this show, you can find all the ways to do that at v-radio.us. Uh, I take PayPal and Patreon. I have a subscribe star, but I'm not pushing it too hard because you have to make a certain amount of money to be able to get the money out of it. Thanks again for tuning in.